Hey, this is Keith Cooper, writer of Anything for Jackson. You're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we are dead serious about horror movies. to a lost episode of Horror Movie Podcast, where we are dead serious about horror movies. At Horror Movie Podcast, you get in-depth horror movie discussions and reviews for classic films and new releases, with ratings and recommendations. This episode of Horror Movie Podcast is brought to you by Shudder, the Netflix for horror. You can try Shudder free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com and use the promo code HMP when signing up. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R dot com and promo code H-M-P. We are your horror hosts, The Wolfman. Dave Dr. Shock Becker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. And Gilman Joel Robertson lurking at the edge of the green swamps of Central Florida. Ooh. I like that. It's getting more exciting each time. <laughs> um, so this is another Frankensteinian episode. And the big difference between this and some of our previous episodes, I guess for the, about the last year is we got to see some movies in the theater. Well, not Woo-hoo! all of us, but yes. Yeah. This is going to be exciting. Um, we are talking about spiral from the book of saw. We're going to talk about the conjuring three, the devil made me do it. And we are going to talk about A Quiet Place Part 2. We'll also have a Shutter-sponsored Screaming Online segment. Joel is going to tell us about a lost George Romero film, The Amusement Park. So, very exciting stuff coming up this episode. Before we jump into that, I wanted to give a shout-out to one of our listeners. His name is James Dean, a recognizable name. Um <laughs> I've talked about him on the show previously because his name is very recognizable. And um, he's a filmmaker. And in fact, he's just directed his first feature film that I believe is currently in post-production. It is a non-sploitation film. So <laughs> it's definitely one that we'll keep a, an eye out for as it gets closer to release. I, I saw that. He posted it on Facebook. And it's funny because I saw the title. And I said, oh, this is one I have to see. And I went looking for it on Amazon. I didn't realize it was one he was in the in the process of producing. So I'm really looking forward to it. And a very cool movie poster as well. It looks great that he had made. Um, oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, James had me on his podcast, which is called the Film Hacks Podcast, where we talk about filmmaking. They talk about different types of filmmaking things. And um, you're realizing that I worked in film somewhat from listening to HMP. He said, oh, you might be a good fit for our show. So I went on there and I talked to them about um, kind of just uh, building a film career from a pretty jaded perspective is what I would say. Although um, I believe on their description, it was saying like staying positive. <laughs> so I'm kind of the opposite <laughs> of where I was coming out of from, but I think um, I, don't know, I thought it was a fun discussion. I think for me, it's just really fun to 
talk about stuff that we just don't get to normally in the context of the specific podcast. So it was really about about my career a little bit, but more just about kind of trying to have a film career. And if people are interested in what that's like or what my life like that has been like, I think uh, it's worth listening to. If you're a filmmaker or especially aspiring filmmaker, I think it should be a pretty interesting discussion. Well, as, as a, as a washed up has been wannabe and one former part of my life filmmaker, uh, I about halfway through the podcast, you just sent us a link today and uh, I've really been enjoying it. So I want to back up everything that the Wolfman said, you should definitely check it out. And I, and I, I definitely want to see it. Um, James had called into the land of the creeps on our last episode and had mentioned he had talked with you, um, in, in his phone call. So I'm, I'm, I, when he said that, I was like, Oh, that's one I want to hear. And then uh, I see that it's out there now. So I'm definitely going to check that out sooner than later. Well, check it out. It is at thefilmhacks.com, or you can get it anywhere podcasts are cast to. And uh, I'm on episode 16, I believe, is the episode that I appeared Awesome. So. I was recently interviewed on one. It's a little bit outside the box, too. It was the last writing podcast. Oh. Uh, the host had contacted me. He was a fan of my blog, and he wanted to talk to me about the process of writing reviews and so forth. So it's not usually, I don't usually get to talk about writing. Um, so yeah. that has not posted yet, but when it does, uh, I will uh, be uh, promoting it on social media as well. It's called the last writing podcast. It's brand new. I think there's only been one or two episodes released and I think I'm going to be either episode four or five. Cool. Um, so once that is posted, I'll, uh, I'll put that out there as well. It is fun to just talk about stuff that's very much in your wheelhouse, but that yeah. we don't really cover on the show. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I was, they, they wanted to start podcasting at like eight in the morning, my time. And so I was just like, I had slammed so much caffeine before <laughs> that recording to wake up. And I just sound, I can hear it when I'm listening to myself. I am manic on that episode. But it was fun. It was a good time. All right. So we are going to jump into our reviews now. Let us start with Spiral from the Book of Saw from 2021. This package just came in. Hello, Detective Banks. Do you know where your officers are? Jigsaw? Wait, I thought the Jigsaw Killer was dead. He is. Hours, not days. How can I catch this guy? If there's nobody on the bus, I can bus! You can't do this alone. Whoever did this has another motive. Something personal. When was the last time you saw your father? Jigsaw copycat. This is gonna go sideways fast. I'm a nuts man like a spider. All available units, officer down. That was just a diversion to get us out of the precinct. I need everyone on this case. He could be anywhere. He could be anyone. We're gonna tear this city apart. I'm a little like a spider. 
Okay, Spiral from the Book of Saw. This is directed by Darren Lynn Bozeman, who was also the director of Saw 2, Repo the Genetic Opera. He did a segment on Tales from Halloween. Uh, so this is a, a filmmaker that um, people are probably familiar with. He, he actually did, I think, three of the Saw movies, if I'm not mistaken. Directed, I think, two, three, and four of the Saw franchise. Um, I, I had never seen those. And... I, um, I really liked Repo, the genetic opera. I'm a big fan of that movie. Okay, yeah. And um, I I liked the first Saw okay, but I just, I don't know. I don't know what point I stopped watching or what ones I saw, but nothing I really saw after that really interested me. And it kind of, you know, I just was not really interested in that franchise as a franchise. There was Jigsaw from a couple years ago that was written by a friend of the show, Josh Stolberg and Pete Goldfinger. And they are the writers of this new entry as well. And I did like Jigsaw. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was entertaining and better than what my anticipation was for a Saw movie at that time. I would say this was even far better than that. I, I think for me, the addition of Chris Rock, Samuel Jackson, Max Minghella, that really upped my appreciation for this film i just i feel like it just changed the vibe you know and i mean i think danny glover provided that early on but i think um i don't know i I really enjoy this kind of take on this world and i i like the character chris rock is playing i think he isn't the strongest actor it's interesting because he has when when he's on his more comedic runs the chris rock you're familiar with from a stand-up comedy really comes out and you're like oh he's so charismatic in those moments but then you can kind of tell he's trying to play it a little more straight a little more understated for a lot of the film and although he's fine and i get it and like it makes sense i do think like he has just such a strong voice as a performer might as well play to that strength, you know, um, Max Minghella, I think is a great actor. I don't know if people are as familiar with him. His father is one of the great, um, filmmakers of his generation. He directed the English patient and cold mountain and just some incredible films. Um, but Max, people would have seen, he's in the social network. He's really good in that. He's in the Ides of March with George Clooney and, uh, Ryan Gosling. He was in The Handmaiden's Tale, which I don't follow that. But if you're familiar with Handmaiden's Tale, you've you've seen him. Um, he's also an Art School Confidential, which is a fun Ooh. killer thriller comedy. Right. By, who was it? The director of um, Crumb. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Or no? Uh, is it? Yeah, no. I think I think I think Art School Confidential was from. Um, oh, I thought I it was remember. from the guy who did uh, the other comic movie with Paul Giamatti. Crumb um, was Terry. Terry, Terry, something, right? Terry's Wygoff, Wy- who did Crumb. Yeah, Terry's yes. Wygoff did Crumb. He also did Bad, or, Bad Santa and things like that. Okay, yeah, I think right. he did Our School Confidential, too. Very cool. Um, but anyway, so yeah, this is a, it's an enjoyable detective mystery. I would say the stuff that interests me the least are the saw elements, like the torture elements, just because... I don't know. They just have, I guess they've just never really appealed to me. I do like this photography better. And maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later with conjuring three than James Wan, I think kind of overdoes it with his camera movement for me. And so I like that this is a little more straightforward (laughs) and, um, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't know. There's not a whole lot to say about it. It really is just kind of in that seven saw vein. Um, 
it you know unfortunately i think films like this depend on a twist i think this saw franchise kind of got into the same place that um you know M. Night Shyamalan finds himself in a lot of the time, or at least he did at a certain portion of his career where everyone just is anticipating a twist and they kind of get a little more and more ridiculous <laughs> as they go. And I, <laughs> I think that's a problem with this franchise because I don't think they need these big twists necessarily. But anyway, I, I did enjoy what they created here. I thought it was a fun, watchable horror film. I would give this one probably a 7 out of 10. And if you've seen the other two movies that we're talking about, this week in theaters already, then I think this would be a fun movie to go catch in theaters. It would probably be lowest on the theatrical priority list for me in terms of these three films, but it is worth seeing in theaters. It's a fun watch. It's definitely worth streaming when it comes out. And um, I don't know, depending on the special features, I might even consider buying it, honestly, which would be my first movie of the franchise that I would own. So, Oh, nice. So I, wow. and Wolf Matt, I don't know. Did you say or not? Were you a fan of the, the original? I did like the original, but it just yeah. wasn't enough that like made me excited about the sequels. And then what I had, I don't, again, I don't remember which ones I saw even at this point, but what I saw of them was kind of a turnoff and I just never, I don't know. I just kind of avoided that franchise. Yeah. I've only ever seen the first one. I love the first one. Cause I'm, and I'm also a huge fan of seven and it has that, like yeah. you said, that vibe to it. So, um, yeah. and the thing that I think I just never got into any of the sequels, it was around the time that I, I've used this as my excuse before we were starting to have, you know, young cho babies, young children, you know, right. just, and it was like, and then I, I realized how much of it seemed like the clips I would see. I was like, eh, it just it got to a point where I was like, eh, I just didn't really like I don't find that kind of thing scary so much. It's just like like uh, <laughs> it's like, right. OK, yeah, I, I, I do. I do kind of like the um uh, the, the the general premise of what of what they're going for with that yeah of of trying to get people to sort of experience life i mean you know that that's really what it seems to be the driving force at least behind the first one yeah right yeah, the concept, i haven't the seen idea. a lot of the yes. sequels i'll be honest yeah. with you now you mentioned chris rock and i will say that i always kind of go back to i thought he was one of the strongest elements of new jack city Yes, oh, he sure. was great. Which in is that. not a comedy. You no. know, he is not playing a comedic role in that. Right. He is playing a straight up dramatic role, and he is strong as hell in New Jack City. He actually draw he mentions New Jack City in this film. <laughs> oh wow. That's funny. <laughs> like a little meta moment. Yeah, that's wow. funny. But he's he's he was so good in that that, that that's one of those things where even when with Chris Rock outside of the comedic, I'm always willing to give him a chance because of that movie, because of the of the performance he gave in New Jack City. I know it's going on what now, 20, 27, 28 years ago now. But I'm always willing to give him a little bit of slack for that. I'm not looking at him strictly as comedic. Um, yeah. He played Pookie in uh, in New Jack City, and I thought he was he was awesome in that film. I, I just like his look. I like him as a per personality. I, I thought he was interesting in this for sure. Like, I think, you know, again, I can't really speak to the franchise, but of what I can remember, this is my probably first or second favorite in the franchise, probably second favorite in the franchise. Um, it is a different uh, driving force than the first one. It's not about getting people to live necessarily. This is about corrupt cops. So it is actually interesting for this time we're in, right? So it's got, it's a cop. Huh who you know is a detective who ratted out his partner many years ago and so all the other cops in the department hate him and um his dad was the former chief and and they all hate him for that too and now somebody is killing cops 
who are were may or may not have been corrupt and he's trying to like stop these killings and figure out what these cops did that is getting them killed and stuff so it's it's an interesting film for sure there are some of the supporting performances are not great um like the current police chief i thought she was kind of rough and there were a few other performances that just didn't quite work but uh, Sam Jackson and Chris Rock and Max Minghella were all awesome for sure. Cool. Um, yeah, so that's Spiral, the Book of Sods, a recommendation for me. I would definitely say check it out. I would love to hear from the listeners on two things. Would you like us to cover the Saw franchise at some point? A, and then B, if you are a fan of the Saw franchise, how do you think Spiral stacks up against the others? Because I do think it is definitely one of the best that I've seen. Cool. It, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to not justify doing the Saw franchise when we've done yeah that's um, true leprechaun and that's true I, I, <laughs> for, for, yeah to be fair to be fair i i as much as i love leprechaun <laughs> i feel like there was a huge backlash against you know the torture films and again you know and but i feel like that's kind of gone away i feel like the it has and you know a hostile kind of kind of um suffered from that same uh that same backlash with yeah. with uh, the torture, I mean, I remember seeing the first hostel in the theater and just just kind of being like, "Whoa!" I mean, that was like one of the more intense uh, theatrical experiences I had was seeing Hostel back, yeah. um, you know, when that movie was released. And the Hostel films are all ten times more intense than this movie was in terms of gore and that kind of stuff. There's not right. the torture elements here are pretty light, actually. I would say. Um, okay, well, let's move on to our next film. We will talk about The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. All right. The court accepts the existence of God every time a witness swears to tell the truth. I think it's about time they accept the existence of the devil. You okay there? Jesus. I think I hurt someone. Arnie Johnson pled not guilty. We think this family was cursed. By reason of demonic possession. I am not going before a grand jury and saying he was possessed by demons. Whatever happened that day, that was not Arnie. I know who you are. Lorraine! Lorraine! Ed! You alright? Okay, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. This is the third entry in the conjuring series i mean there's a lot of sub offshoots right from the conjuring universe uh but this is the third in the official conjuring franchise and i'm just going to go to imdb for the synopsis um the warrens investigate a murder that may be linked to a demonic possession okay yes that's true uh but there's more to the film than that um Again, we get Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga as Ed and Lorraine Warren, and they're pulled into this. Um, you know, it's funny. This is the first of The Conjuring where even the initial scene, the, the setup scene, 
leads into the main story. You know, in the other right. two Conjuring films, we got uh, the setup for Annabelle in the first one. Then we had what was basically the Amityville horror in the second one. Yeah. In this one, it's all sort of straight through. We get the setup of this possession of this young boy, uh, I guess, David uh, Glatzel, played by Julian Hilliard. Yeah. Um, and it kind of carries through from there, um, through the whole film. And it's fine. One of the things that I really liked about this movie is also something that I think a lot of people had issue with. When they talk, when you talk about Conjuring, it's such a polarizing franchise yeah, it's really- because it really it relies on real people ed and lorraine warren were real people and a lot of people a lot of uh, uh, viewers out there look at them as as sort of like these these con artists right and and i think that you know it, it sort of it really does pull people in two directions i mean I love the fact that we get to catch up with these characters. And I think it's because of Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. I think the two performances are so strong and they really do such a good job of capturing these characters that it just sort of, it makes it almost like sort of a homecoming when another movie in the conjuring universe comes around. And I love that about it. I am 100% with you on that, Dave. I don't have, almost any knowledge about the real Warrens. I don't either. I really don't either. But I am absolutely in love with the cinematic version of the Warrens and the Conjuring films. I mean, yes. They're some of my favorite horror characters ever, to be honest. Like, I just I, think they're so compelling as performers, as characters. I love that they're based on real people. I love the 70s and now 80s aesthetic that's throughout these films. It's, there's something about it's just right in my wheelhouse of stuff that I love. And, and I'm with you. I'm right there with you. I feel the same way and it's and it's again because of patrick wilson and fear for Megan. i mean they really make these likable characters i don't necessarily you know it, it's funny because they're they're when i read all of uh, all of the negative backlash against these movies it all is because of the real life warrants i don't give a damn about them I really don't. I want to sort of embrace uh, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga in these films. I, you know, and it's 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 funny because there are part of me that says I wish they called them something different. I wish they just sort of based them on the Warrens. But then I'm thinking, you know what? The hell with that. I don't yeah. care. I like I'm just more. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the fact that they're the Warrens, you yeah. know, and that they can incorporate, and then they do it in this movie as well as they did in the other films where they incorporate actual. Um, either audio or video um, case files of the Warrens. They incorporate them into these movies. Um, and yes, you know, it's funny because it's, it's you look at all the movies that are supposedly based on real events. Um, there was a movie a few years ago called Veronica. And, and I remember hearing um, uh, Pastor Matt from Father and Son Watch Horror Movies, who had actually taken exception with our, our take on um, Veronica, saying that it seemed sort of cinematic and then you don't know, have the jump scares in it. And he was saying, yeah, but it's based on a real story. Hmm. I understand that. But the fact of the matter is that filmmakers, I mean, can you tell me honestly that Veronica, that's exactly how it played out? Everything played out in Veronica exactly how it did in real life? No. The filmmakers are going to incorporate jump scares they're going to incorporate current horror tropes into the film to try and draw you know viewers in and that's what we're getting in the conjuring as well you're you you know it's not just the case files of the warrens this is the case files of the warrens 
sort of combined with the modern sensibilities of horror that yeah. James Wan, the creator of the original of uh, Conjuring, has sort of helped define, and right. it pulls into this one as well. Um, so you kind of are existing within the planes of reality and fantasy with both of these films. And I'm not going to hold this movie accountable for not, you know, for not being factual. See, you know, I, I don't expect that from movies. I don't expect a horror movie to tell me, here's the exact facts. I want to be entertained, and I think The Conjuring 3 managed to do that. I think you can have your cake and eat it too there to some degree. And I, and I get, get, like, as, you know, coming from a documentary background, I always do appreciate a film more if it's closer to the actual events, like a lot more. Cause I think the downside of that, when you have something like Argo, for instance, which strays so far from the actual events is that that's as far as most people are going to go in their research. And so most people who watch Argo, they think that's the story of Argo. They're never going to go and actually like find out what actually happened. Right. And mm -hmm. so I, I do understand why that's frustrating if you're someone who is familiar with the original story or the real story uh, red cap jack is a really intelligent listener of ours that yes. a person like that who yes. can't stand the warrens and I, I would be interested to hear if his appreciation for these films is evolved. i always want to hear him chime in i want I to hear him chime in on this jack. yeah yeah um leave us a comment or leave us a voicemail and we'll put it in the next episode red if you if you see this movie he might not even watch it i don't know if he supports the ones i don't know to be honest but um i don't know it's tricky because like if i if i were making it if i had the opportunity to make this film i would want to put every single thing i could from real life possible of course you have to take artistic license and you want people to take artistic license to make it cinematic but you don't like for me you can tell it from the Warrens point of view. If the Warrens are saying they're not scammers, I think it's okay to make a film where they're not scammers. Like, right. I don't think that's, that's their story and they're sticking to it. So right, why not? Right. So why not tell that version of it? I think that's fine. Um, I don't have an issue in that regard. Uh, I liked the photography better now with James Wan not in the film, as I kind of alluded to with saw. I, I think Juan is a horror master, but I just I find his camera too active for my tastes. I also mm. felt like they did less CGI in this one, which I appreciate. Um, that I think Juan enjoys CGI a little bit more, and I like I, and I liked that. I felt like the Warrens were a little bit more front and center than they'd been in the last two films. I felt like this was yes uh, really about Vera Farmiga's character uh, yeah. Lorraine Warren more than and i kind of feel like you were building to that in the conjuring part two but then this film like really kind of like is her story in a lot of ways it is and you get you know that that ed is sort of suffering he's a little older now he's yeah. he's got his issues he just had a heart attack and then the opening scene of this one and that plays throughout the rest of the movie um and you have i, I don't know i just i love the fact that and it might be the actors it might be that the, the the patrick wilson and vera farmiga I, that i've just grown attached to them yeah. in this series that i love to see them um the, their interactions and the growth of their characters and you get even a little more of their backstory now you get like the first date that they had in this right. film and I love that. I love that 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 is going in that direction. And yes, you know what? I can I can almost kind of sympathize with the people who say, "Yeah, these are real people, and we don't buy what they said. They were they were kind artists and everything." And the fact you're basing them on real people, 
But I don't know. For me, it just doesn't matter because of the performances, because of the 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 connection I have with the characters. It's almost like when The Godfather Part Three came out. Not a great movie, but it's a reunion with the characters that you've come to love from the other movies. I feel that way about this one. Although I think this one, uh, you know, in the Conjuring universe, might be a little bit higher up than The Godfather Part Three was with the other two <laughs> Godfathers. Um, I just feel that connection. I love reuniting with these characters. I agree. I I think um, it's interesting to think about this film as we're talking about all three of these films actually are sequels that we're talking about tonight. And I think it is interesting to see how people choose to stay in a universe and then evolve that universe. And I think this evolution felt very organic to me. And I really enjoyed this evolution of the universe. Like again, really focusing on Lorraine in, in a way, like how her powers are manifest and how that affects yeah. her life. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. And yeah. And I get like, there's a lot of, I think a lot of the spinoffs, Annabelle and the nun weren't as well received. Right. And so I think people are getting tired of this franchise and I understand why there is that response to another Conjuring movie. But if we're really just talking about the three main Conjuring movies, I think they're great movies. Honestly, like I think they're some of the best horror movies in the last 10 years, you know, I, I agree. I I did want to say the one way to guarantee that a, a way to guarantee your, uh, like of this third movie is to watch the original version of it, which was the demon murder case from 1983, which we covered up there on the tube <laughs> where you had Andy Griffith, <laughs> Andy Griffith played the Ed Warren character. Uh, and you, wow. and it, it, this kind of dovetails with what you were saying, Dave, uh, he, and I believe it was Beverly McKenzie was, was supposed to be Lorraine, uh, but they were named Guy Harris and Charlotte Harris. They had different names, but they were obviously those characters. Kevin Bacon, Play the young man who gets possessed. Wow! Presumably, yeah. I want to watch that. Right yeah, now. yeah. You know, it, just just that cast alone makes me want to see it. It is <laughs> wacky, dude. It is so wacky. It, it honestly, it, it it stands on its own. When I when I actually found out that this third Conjuring film was going to be based on the same story as the Demon Murder Case, I think we found that out shortly after we covered this on Terror on the Tube. I was like, what? <laughs> How are they going to do that as a cadre movie? But I, I just want to pipe in to say I'm not as I, I, I kind of feel like this about the country movies. I saw the first one when it came out. I really loved it. Thought it was fantastic. I haven't really seen it since. Saw Codring 2 shortly after I think it came. It was uh, uh, like I streamed it or whatever. Didn't see catch it in theater. Really enjoyed it a lot. And the first country movie freaked me out. Second movie kind of did. And then this movie. I wasn't really particularly scared at any point, but I will say this. I enjoyed it for what it is. And I want to back up with what, what you guys were saying. I really love the portrayal of Ed and Lorraine. Like To me, just watching them. like One of the criticisms I had heard about this movie, ha- having nothing to do with the real counterparts was the fact that I think people thought the fact that you were following them around and it was sort of like this almost like a research and kind of mystery aspect. I love that. Like, I actually that was my favorite part of this movie was them and their relationship, because they're what I love about those characters is how in love they are with each other. And it's so that's like an element of this series. I don't think anybody I mean, I'm sure some people focus on, but it's so the way that they play those characters and there's just this deep love 
that they have and yeah. respect that they have for each other that I really just I love a lot. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I mean, I don't uh, you know, I again, I didn't find it like terrifying and scary, but it was definitely I felt like worth my time. I, I think the first two movies scared me a little more than this one did. You know, but but it didn't change the fact that I I was connected to it. And it's because of the, the two characters that connected me to it. Um, and also John Noble. I wanted to point out that John Noble plays um, uh, he plays uh, Kastner in this film. Um, I didn't realize who that. No, I, I, the first time he appears, I didn't know who he was. And it wasn't until the second time that he sort of uh, came into the movie later in the film that John Noble, uh, of course, I remember him as I think it was Walter in the in Fringe. Is oh, what yeah. I think of. Yep. 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 With with, uh, with John Noble. You know, he was sort of the main character. Uh, for me, he was the main character. I mean, I don't know if he technically was the main character in Fringe. He was the one I always wanted to see. He was the one I was always sort of connected to uh, in the series Fringe. Um, and I like seeing him in this film as well. But it just comes down to Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, um, as likable as they are. And... Um, the kids you know, were this, good one, this one, this the one, they're getting, good. they're getting older. This one, they're getting older. Patrick Wilson has his ailments in this film that he didn't have in the first two. And I like yeah. the fact that they're going to sort of maybe carry that forward in, in the other films. I'm looking forward to, I'm really anxious to see where they go with conjuring four. I have to say the youth cast in this film was really fantastic as well. They all did a great job. Yeah. I especially like the main possessee of the yes. film. I thought yes. he was really strong and I don't, I didn't recognize him. I don't have his name in front of me right now, but I, I just thought he just did a fantastic job. Yeah, it was a fun movie. I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I think it's probably the least complex of the three movies in some of ways. Of the three, yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard for me to judge. I, I, in some ways, um, it, it is a, like more straightforward than the other films, but I, I appreciated that as well, I think, in some ways. All right, should we do our ratings and recommendations? You yes, wanna, sir. Do you give us some final thoughts? And Yeah, sure. I mean, I would come in at an 8 out of 10, and I think that I didn't get to see it in the theater. I just happened to live in, in, in the, the boondocks where the theaters are only open on weekends right now, and I work on weekends, so I don't get to see them. I had to see it on HBO Max, but I would recommend, if you get a chance, go to the theater and see um, the Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. You know, I, I think that it's um, it's it's it definitely supported if you can. What about you, Joel? Uh, well, for me, I live uh, in a place where apparently there was no pandemic. So... <laughs> <laughs> but, but but even with that, even with that, I actually man, this one, I because I knew I wasn't going to have time to see this one in the theater. So I, I also watched it at home, Dave. So don't feel bad about that. Um, for me, it's a seven out of ten. Uh, but here's the thing. All of the Conjuring movies, I like them. I'm not like the diehard kind of fan that I think a lot of people are. Um, I've only actually I think I was thinking about it the other day. I haven't seen a lot of the spinoff movies. I finally saw two of the three Annabelle movies. I've skipped the first one because everyone had told me it was not worth seeing right the and, second one i loved i oh, loved I did the too. second one i like the second one really and i even like the third one i didn't i i, I like yeah. the third one and then i i haven't seen the nun and i haven't seen uh curse of la llorona of of those two i think uh curse of la llorona is i'd much i'd prefer uh but i haven't seen either of them and and there is something about these movies and the look and the style of them i can appreciate but i don't you know some things just kind of don't 
work for you? Like, you know, you've alluded to this Wolfman where you've talked about like James Wan and his camera. It's that 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 Wanniverse where they, it feel like where they're all yeah. kind of have that similar look and feel. The other thing I'm kind of over and I get why they do it. And it, I mean, go back to the scene from the original exorcist with uh you know reagan doing the spider walk down the stairs and i know that was sort of inserted later but this sort of contorting bodies like ever since like it was the exorcism of emily rose and what i was trying to remember this the other day what's the uh found footage horror flick um that had uh it was another possession we came out around that same time i think it is emily rose oh is that emily rose was that the found footage one i could remember but i believe so i remember that that contortion aspect of that movie uh, with Emily Rose and, and I'm kind of over that now I mean I get why they do it because it looks weird and it's like it, it but I feel like that's the go-to now for all demon possession things where you've got to have the body contort in like these insane painful looking ways mm-hmm. it, it doesn't Emily Rose me. is actually sorry that's the Scott Derrickson film which did have contortion in it the one, yeah, I'm, thinking it of is, the one yeah. I'm thinking of is though that one because I remember that actually I believe the actress was a contortionist but there was the other one where it was the the father is I believe he's a, a preacher and he's it's the last exorcism the one, yeah the last exorcism and yes. I think that had that as well I think they both had that if I remember, maybe I'm cross pollinating. I don't know. I know one or both of them had it. And I feel like that is something that is definitely anytime you have demo- demonic possession of any type, that seems like the go to thing. now. And it used to get to me, right? Because it's very unnatural. And But I find a feeling now. Like, OK, yeah, I get it. They contort. OK, mm-hmm. it's CGI. Got I, it. I, I think it's just one of those. It, you have to have it in one of these possession films because that's just like the trope, you know? Right, but, right. I don't know. It's kind of like you have to figure out how to do it more interestingly or I don't know. It's hard. It's like, you know, it's like having a vampire with a wooden stake. If you, you got to put the wooden stake and the cross in it, that's just part of the monster. But I don't know. It's I and he's got he's got to stay out of the sun. He's got. Yeah, exactly. It's just something that that's that's sort of there. And you're right. I mean, for me, the the exorcism elements of this film might have been the, the least interesting portions right. of it and it's not it's no longer scary for me either it's not something that's going to sort of put me on edge this one of the three might have been the least frightening for me yeah. anyway it, I you know I, I thought the first two were more frightening than this one um but it, again it was just like i said before it was catching up with those characters that, that really appealed to me yeah um, I would give this one an eight out of 10 as well. I would say see it in the theater, which I did not because I was on a time crunch and I wanted to get it in before the podcast. I only had time to see one movie in the theaters and I prioritized the quiet place too. I mean, I did mm-hmm. see spiral, but I had seen that a couple weeks ago. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I just caught this one on HBO max as well, but I think this is absolutely worth seeing in the theaters. I think it was great. I still would probably prioritize a quiet place too over that, but, um, I will buy this one. I love it. I love this universe with regard to the Warrens. I love the Warren verse more than the conjuring verse, I guess. Right. But I would agree with that. Yeah, it was a good one. All right. Well, that is our review of. The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. And now we will move into our Shutter-sponsored Screaming Online set. Welcome to our special Screaming Online segment that, like the rest of this episode, was lost. So this portion of the show 
is actually new. Because we want to tell you about all of the fun things Shudder is doing as they're closing out the year with a stocking full of holiday horrors from favorites like Black Christmas and Better Watch Out to all new exclusives like the Advent Calendar. December also brings new sci-fi monster movie Death Valley, a new The Last Drive-In special, Joe Bob Ruins Christmas, along with the season finale of docuseries Behind the Monsters, unpacking the surprising origins of Hellraiser's infamous Pinhead. They've also got classics like House of Wax from 1953 and the remake from 2005, and newer films like Prisoners of the Ghostland. On Shudder, you can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense films for $5.99 per month or $56.99 per year. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment on the planet. That's why we call it the Netflix for horror. You'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices, including Apple devices, Android devices, Xbox, Amazon Fire, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. And the latest from modern horror master Neil Marshall, director of The Descent and Dog Soldiers. Um, Lots of good stuff coming, but the one that we're super excited about that Joel is going to tell us about here in a minute is George Romero's lost film, The Amusement Park, which has been found and restored in 4K after being unseen for nearly 40 years, if you can believe that. There's a lot of great stuff on Shudder right now, including Caveat, which is a new film I've heard a lot about from our listeners. People have said it's pretty good. Uh, You can stream all of these films for just $5.99 a month or $56.99 per year. And you can extend your normal seven-day free trial to a 30-day free trial by using our HMP promo code. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment, which is why we call it the Netflix for horror. You can get this stuff unlimited and stream it ad-free on all of your favorite devices, including your Apple devices, Android devices, Xbox, Amazon Fire, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. And we will get to how you can take advantage of this great offer right after Joel tells us about the Lost Romero film, the amusement park. Ah, two young lovers. You want your fortune told. We want to see what our life is going to be like. What part of life? When we get old. Are you sure? Yeah. You must see it all to the end. There's nothing outside. I'm going outside anyway. There's nothing outside. One of these times, the door will open in your life, and you will step into the amusement park. Oh no, it's fun. You like it. You really like it. Full of hope, anticipation for the future, and curiosity for what you will find there. The man in the amusement park is a mirror image of yourself. Separated only by the passage of time. Why are you punishing me like this? Hello? There's nothing, nothing out, out there. I'll see for myself. Bye. All right. So the amusement park. Now, I believe this is originally shot in the early 70s, like around 73 ish. 
I feel like was I remember reading that somewhere. I have I've my, literally never heard anything about this until you told me about it. The uh, well, other day. And, and I have my friend Tyson Hanks, my, my friend who's also a horror author. He reminded me about it because I think Fangoria had put out like as I, you know, subscribe, not just subscribe. I not only do I subscribe to their magazine, but I also get the, you know, the email, weekly email, whatever. And right. uh, they had put uh, something about it. They had mentioned it. And so I was like, what what is what is happening? And then I br- briefly forgot about it. He reminded me, he's like, oh, that's dropping tomorrow. I was like, oh, yes, I got to check that out. So uh, the IMDb synopsis, which I'm sure will not remotely do it justice, is an elderly gentleman goes for what he assumes will be an ordinary day at the amusement park, only to find himself in the middle of a hellish nightmare instead. Now, full context, this is a 52, 53, right around there, minute, basically public service announcement film about mistreatment of the elderly that Ramiro and uh, I believe Leighton Image, the the industrial film company he had, you know, the, before he did Night of Living Dead and, and after Night of Living Dead, even um, I believe they were hired to do this for the Lutheran Society of like Western Pennsylvania or something like that. It was so up, like upsetting and unsettling to them that they basically just said, OK, we're not going to put that out. <laughs> So, wow. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you right now, (laughs) I feel like people are going to fall on one of a couple sides here. My theory is you two will love it. Okay, that's my theory. And my theory, the reason why I say that is it is if you go into it like an art film and you accept it for the nightmare logic it has and you can look in and say, okay, well, this is a movie that Ramiro is making like, you know, just a couple years after Night of the Living Dead and before, you know, his, you know, because what when did Martin come out? Martin came out in 70 what? Oh, crap. I, I had is it, it four. It's somewhere uh-huh. in, I, I'm looking, I, I have to cheat. Hold on. Martin is 77. Actually, okay. that was later than I thought it was. So this is you know, a few years before Martin, which, by the way, this also stars Lincoln Mazel. I guess that's how you pronounce his name, who was in Martin. He played Cuda in Martin, which I haven't seen Martin in so long. Oh, I barely I haven't re- seen Martin in a long time yeah, either. But I would love wow, to revisit. Awesome. Yeah, I want to revisit that one. Uh, Spooky Flicks Fest this year. We're doing vampire movies. I just realized that one wasn't on the list. I'm going to I have to talk to Peter. But that aside, it has to be. You has, have to throw that, that on has there. to be on the list. Uh, but that aside, what was so cool about this movie is because at this point, Ramiro is a much more confident filmmaker. And obviously, he's had the experience of doing Night of the Living Dead. And you can see that. So this is very much it on some level feels like some movie that was made for a Lutheran society. Like it has that vibe to it. Yet (laughs) there's this quality to the work and this craftsmanship to the work that I loved and it has a nightmare logic like the the whole movie. It starts off with the character that Lincoln Mazel is playing this old man and he's and you know, uh, they basically see this old man in this white suit, but he's looks beaten up like he's got a bandage on his head and he's sitting in this chair and he's in this white room, very kind of THX one one three eight vibe, you know, and there's this doorway and all of a sudden through the door uh, or I can't remember if he comes through the doorway or around it or whatever, but is himself. It's another version of himself. And it's like, it doesn't have that. Like, I would have thought from this time period, you know, at that time you did the whole, like, if you're going to shoot it to where you had one actor playing like almost like a twin type role, you would shoot 
you know, the, the one side and then the other side and then you match them together, kind of like a uh, Haley Mills and the Parent Trap vibe. But it never feels like that. It actually felt very organic, like it really worked. And he but in that version of himself that comes in is clean and dapper. And he's in the suit and the suit looks pressed and clean. He has no band. And, he, and he's trying to talk to this version of himself that's sitting in the chair. And he doesn't act. Rex seem to recognize that that's himself. He just starts to talk to him about, you know, hello, friend. And the guy's very like, oh, and he's very old. He looks broken. And he's just, and he's like, he's like, well, would you like to go outside? He's like, you know, what, you know, I would love to see what's out there. And the guy's like, nothing, nothing is out there. And then so the guy's like, oh, you know, like, oh, that's odd. <laughs> he goes out the door. And when he opens the door, it opens into this beautiful daylit amusement park where there's lots of people. Now, that's all I'm going to tell you, except to understand that this movie, the the symbolism and the themes of it are the mistreatment of the elderly and specifically the elderly poor in our country at that time, which, by the way, has a lot of parallels to today that just how anybody in our society that doesn't have the means, how they could just be completely and utterly disregarded, abused and mistreated. Uh, by society and that's what the movie is essentially about but it uses this nightmare logic and it's got this almost art film vibe to it that i loved i and look and i get it, it's not gonna be for everybody it's not terrifying it's not uh gory there's no like there, you know there is a little violence involving a biker gang like a little small but which i love that ramiro even has those elements that you would see in things like night riders and dawn of the dead <laughs> showing up in this movie and I, i'm about to tell you a couple of little cool connections to some other ramiro stuff in this film but you know it's just got this really bizarro nightmare logic that works and you see how these people are being treated and what's really cool is i and i believe at the very beginning lincoln mazel as himself is talking to the audience he, it's, he breaks the fourth wall and he's talking to us about you're about to see this you know production where you're shot here at this amusement park which is about and he kind of goes through what everything it's about and how they used uh real people they're all the all the extras in the community and by the way it's a very diverse cast like honestly from this time period like kudos to ramiro like this is a very uh just diverse cast of just all you know old young black white every i mean it's and it's not like just a couple of people peppered in like this is this looks like the world you know what i mean like it has that vibe to it oh yeah and and it's just yeah and it's just i I don't know man it was just you know like something just hits you and you're like it's an existential horror film like it is Hmm. a movie where at the end of it you're like holy crap so basically, if you're old and you're and you don't have means and you're poor, no matter really. And what's great about this movie is it kind of shows you it almost doesn't matter who you are. It really comes down to that sort of elite power dynamic of those with the means. They're fine. There's even a whole thing. I don't give anything away, but there's a whole thing involving that as an element. And you almost get like these little vignettes in it. I, I, I honestly, like I said, for me, I love this movie. I thought it was weird and bizarre. And it's so cool to see that early Romero out those elements to it. Uh, a little side note, William Hinsman, as in Bill Hinsman, as in the first zombie in Night of Living Dead, the, oh, yeah, they're coming right. to, oh. he, he's not, I, he may have been an extra. I didn't see him, but he was involved in the production. I saw his name and his wife. I I believe it's his wife. I saw their names 
in the credits. Oh. Um, he, be, he became a filmmaker in his own right. Yes. He did. He did Flesh Eater and he did the Majorettes and all oh, that's awesome. Well, it's super cool because it's also produced by Richard Rubenstein. Right. Who was one of who's involved with other Ramiro things. And yeah. he produced the awesome. Pet Cemetery, the the you know, the 89 one that I love um, it. But what's also cool on uh, the sound department is Michael Gornick, as in the guy who directed Creepshow 2 and was the cinematographer on Creepshow and Dawn of the oh, Dead. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, nice. Day of the Dead. I think he had a small part in Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. So I mean, it's like all these cool, like all these people in that part of their career when it's still very early, you know, early 70s, just a few years after Night of the Living Dead. And just knowing all that. And I, again, I imagine if you came to this and you knew none of that and you weren't super into horror, you'd be like, what in the hell did I just watch? <laughs> But even then, I feel like there's even if you weren't into those things, if you appreciate this movie. And I also think, too, the older you get, the more you would appreciate this movie and the message it's sending. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't recommend enough. I give this movie, you know, initially when I started and then I, I talked myself into it, I'm giving it an eight point five. Initially, it was an eight. Now it's an eight point five because I've talked myself into it. I want to go watch it again. <laughs> So I totally awesome. recommend it. If it ever comes out like on a Blu-ray with like extras, which would be fantastic. I'm not getting my hopes up. But if it did, I would totally buy it. Absolutely. You should go on to Shudder and stream this thing. If you are a remotely a fan of Ramiro or a fan of like weird nightmare logic, existential horror films, any of that, definitely check this out. No, you know, we lost George Romero in July of 2017. So it's going on almost four years since we lost George Romero. The fact that there is a movie out there uh, that he was responsible for. Yes. That has never been released and never been seen. Yes. Is reason enough to get excited. I don't care if it's, you know, he used to do uh, shorts for Mr. Rogers neighborhood. You know, which was yep. also in that area of Pennsylvania. I don't care if it was Mr. Rogers goes to the library I'm going to watch a George Romero film. And the fact that this one exists out there and is on Shudder is, is in itself a reason to get excited. And I'm really looking forward to this. And based on your review, I can't wait to see it. And I want to just say, I want to thank everyone involved. I mean, they have it the credits. Uh, the only person I'm looking through the... Uh uh, IMDb credits and the only person who is the restoration colorist which is Anastasia Capola she listed as editorial department so obviously she was involved with it there's other people I'm sure that were involved in this restoration because I guess it was taken from the only prints they have were like two 16 millimeter prints one had sound and that's what they pulled the sound from they completely restored this thing and the and the love and effort that went into doing this and for Shudder to put it out there because it's as you guys like to always point the idea of a cinematic oddity right it's it's so cool and weird and it's just yes. such a, a random thing and, and apparently um, actually I saw Daryl posted this recently on Facebook that I guess there's a short film that Ramiro made about an African-American father and his son. I have no idea what it's about. I mean, it, it may just be like this slice of life drama type thing, but apparently that's another project. I guess I don't, I assume the same people must be working on. So yeah. I, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Super exciting. Very cool. Okay. Well, if it sounds like your cup of tea, that's something you can check out now on shutter and you get started streaming the best horror thriller and supernatural content shutters expertly curated collection, including must see titles like Colorado space host, the mortuary collection, plus all the best horror documentaries the hit creep show TV series from executive producer, Greg Nicotero and the lost Romero film. To try Shutter free for 30 days, go to Shutter.com and use promo code HMP 
That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and promo code H-M-P. All right, that is the end of our Shutter sponsored segment. Thanks again, Joel, for bringing yes, us that little a- gem. Absolutely, awesome. and I just wanted to interject this one little quick thing, which is I also took my oldest at fourteen. Max, they showed Night of the Living Dead at our local like indie art house theater. I saw that yeah. you posted that. How did that go? It went. Oh, he loved it. He oh, great. he's never That's seen awesome. it. His first experience with that movie was on the big screen, man, and that was just phenomenal there it's we have one of those like 1920s oh, old that, movie that is, houses that is, that's enviable yeah yep. enviable my yeah. first experience with that movie was on a uh, was on a cheap ass uh you know <laughs> vhs uh, bootleg exactly vhs yeah. that was yeah. for three dollars at kmart exactly for yep. so that's yep. awesome yeah it was yeah it was so cool so uh and i i'm i actually thought about i i don't know if he'd appreciate this one as much because obviously it's not near it, this is definitely more of a horror film for adults but uh yeah, I, I think I'll still show it to him. So I, I was very happy, very pleased that he enjoyed Night of the Living Dead as much as he did. That is awesome. Great. All right. We are going to talk a little bit of movie news after this, and then we will get into our Horror Olympics. But first, we have our final feature review for you here this episode, and that is A Quiet Place, Part 2, 2021. I don't know why he came all the way up here. There's nothing left. There are people out there. People worth saving. Most people had finally given up hope. Okay, before Joel introduces A Quiet Place Part 2, I just want to say this one thing. I took a photo inside the theater as the movie was starting, and uh, it's just me kicking back with my with my legs up uh, in the air, and uh, the title of the film, A Quiet Place Part 2, and I posted it on Twitter last night after my uh. screening. It says, uh, starting to feel human again at A Quiet Place 2, and we got some good responses um, Jordan Allen at Boiler Couple says it was surreal and awesome to be welcomed back to the movie theater last week by Krasinski. Amateur Destroyer on Twitter says this was my first venture back into the theater as well. My daughter and I loved it and really felt like coming home. Bloody Cap Jack, who's the aforementioned Red Cap Jack, said, Went yesterday, I feel better than human. But my favorite response probably to this tweet was from John Krasinski. And John Krasinski (laughs) said to me, well, that's the best review we could ask for. Welcome back. (laughs) Oh, dude. Oh, that's awesome. That is super sweet, man. Wow. So let's see if we can outdo the best review he could ask for. Joel, take it away. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden, Joel's realizing, maybe I want to up my uh, review number. Yeah. So Quiet Place Part 2 is uh, i love that imdb has it listed as a 2020 release no imdb 
That year, that is the year that shall not be talked about. 2021. 2021. All right. Following the events at home, the Abbott family now face the terrors of the outside world. Forced to venture into the unknown, they realize the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats lurking beyond the sand path. All right. First off, let me just say that may be the best Imdaba synopsis i've ever read it was grammatically correct why can't i get those i always get the one sentence crap (laughs) i'll tell you what honestly sometimes the one sentence ones are still better than ones where they go on for like five sentences and it's oddly like you're like what are you talking about did they watch the movie see the movie exactly so written and directed by the great john krasinski and may i just say too much like i wanted to thank the people behind uh the amusement park and what their efforts i did love his little opening bit normally you know they put those they put those before movies before we're a filmmaker we all oh, things come and see this movie blah, blah. but this felt because of the situation it just i don't know it was like this moment that you're like oh god thank you thank you john that oh yes you're right we are here aren't we the smell of popcorn is in the air and we're about to see a sequel to in my opinion one is one of the greatest horror films yes, of the last yeah. 10 to 20 years agreed so, yep so yeah so basically i took my family i will tell you this i think my kids actually even though they absolutely love this movie and they love the first one i think they were the most freaked out by the new purge trailer that they decided to show <laughs> You were saying that's awesome. That's so funny. Yeah. It's like, and my wife did that that look at me like, why are they showing this trailer before this movie's like PG-13? I was like, I don't know. And they just, all right. It's not my fault. Don't blame me. So. I thought the Purge, a lot of the Purge, aren't a lot of the Purge movies PG-13? No, I don't think so, dude. No, 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 no. no. And and the new one looks. That's awesome. Because my son was freaked out by one. I took him to see, um, I I was telling Joel this, when I took him to see, um, uh, oh God! What was it? Oh, like World War Z! World War Z! World War Z! They showed a trailer for The Conjuring. He was more freaked out by the two and a half minute trailer for The Conjuring <laughs> than he was the entirety of World War Z. Yeah, yeah. But, but the good news is they still loved A Quiet Place too. And and I just want and I don't know you know Dave. I don't think you've gotten to see it yet, right? Because I don't want to be careful what I say. No, I have not. And, and damn it, this is of, of the two. As much as I enjoyed the Conjuring, the new Conjuring movie, this is the one I really wanted to see. So yes. I'm anxious to hear what you have to say okay. about it. Well, I will. I'll be very cautious as to what I say. Thank uh, you. And I and I know Wolfman has seen it as well. So I will say that for me, this easily holds up to the first film. That the fact, Interesting. That, yeah, that it. I loved that much like the original Halloween and Halloween 2, this picks up immediately, at rel- yes. relatively speaking, immediately after. In a way, yeah. In a way, yeah. And, and, I also love, though, they still managed to give us, and, and I'm not giving anything away by saying this, but in the trailer, they allude, allude to you getting some sort of prequel type material, let's just say. But the way they handled that was so well done. And the way it dovetails yes. into things that happen later is so well done. It was suspenseful. It was edge of your seat, which is suspenseful. I realize that's redundant, but they both count here. And <laughs> and I just I loved that it was still about this family and it was about the people i love the monsters i think they're super cool but i love that krasinski gets that this is about the characters and the people that is why we love these movies uh, hands down this movie is already it's i i feel like I, it goes without saying it's easily already in my top three of the year wow for me. Wow, yeah. wow that's saying something <laughs> yeah i okay 
I'm not, I don't really disagree with anything you said. I, I think it's a, first of all, I think it's a beautiful film. I think it is absolutely worthy follow-up to what I agree with you is one of the best movies of that year, certainly. And probably of the decade. I looked back at our original review for a quiet place and I came in the lowest of any of us. Um, Jay of the dead at that time gave it a 10 doc gave it a 9.5. And I gave it an 8.5. In retrospect, I would give it a 9.5. I attempted even to give it a 10, but there were just a couple things that like grind my gears that are just like personal pet peeves in the first one. It's close though to a 10 for me, like 9.75. Wow. <laughs> I, I really, really love that movie. And it's grown on me even more. I think you know, and again, I kind of touched on this earlier when we're talking about expanding universes. I think it's a, such a tricky thing to do because what was so special about that first film was you had no idea what you were seeing. It, it, you know, the rules were unknown. It's surprising you as it goes. It's so small and contained. And now you've got this big expansion. Things that were rarely seen are now seen a lot. Um, and it goes into territory that feels more similar to other post-apocalyptic films. Whereas I, I felt like the first quiet place, although very much in the post-apocalyptic camp had a very unique, like singular feel to it. And this, I could feel films like the road in it, you know, or light of my life. Like it, it felt similar to, you know, a lot of what we see in these kind of post-apocalyptic films. That's not a failing of the movie, but I I would say it struggles then to have that same unique... I I wish it could have evolved in yet another unique way, something that could only be solely seen in this universe, because I think um, it doesn't necessarily do that. But I do think it does very well what Joel said. It carries on the story and it expands in a totally reasonable and logical way. And it's good every step of the way. I think it's a very high quality film. Um, I, I loved those prequel elements. We'll call them. They're very brief. Yes. I don't want people to get too locked into that idea. Yeah. Cause I wasn't sure how much it would be there. Yeah. It's not, it's not a main part of the film, but it was so meaningful and so well done. It really was. And I think that this film is also much less scary than the original film for me. Um, I think a, it's less scary and B it's not quite as touching. I think the first one is like gut wrenching. Yes. Yes. I agree with that statement. Yes. I think this one is still beautiful, heartwarming, but I would say this is kind of more, of like a sweet film in some ways than it is like a scary film. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> you know no, what I, I mean? Like, I absolutely. I and I honestly think if, you know, everything you've said, I actually don't disagree with. I think yeah. that for me, the only thing that would make this dry, drop slightly, cause I actually loved that it opened up. I loved, I love that we got to see more of some of the things we got to see, but still it was handled in a subtle way. And yes. I, I honestly, I think that the one thing, well, again, I want to be careful I say this, but the thing about it that maybe makes it just, and when I say less, I mean so slightly less for me than the original is that element of it. And it's actually probably Krasinski himself, you know, because I think anybody who's seen the first movie, you know, knows that his role in this is somewhat limited <laughs> other than behind right. the camera. And so 
the fact that the way that all played out and that the family dynamic and because of the novelty, like you alluded to earlier, that novelty of us not understanding this world, like we had to learn the rules and understand what was going on. And, and he did that so effectively with the first film. So in this one, you come in knowing a lot more. Now, that being said, I loved Millicent Simmons in the first one. I absolutely yeah. thought she was fantastic in this. She's way better. Oh, my wow. God. It, like, I think I think the first movie does a great thing. It, it creates a character around John Krasinski where you love that man. Yes. And you see him as this protector of this family and just someone indispensable to that family. And then when things evolve in that situation, it becomes Emily Blunt's film. And yep. she is a force yes right she's fantastic and I, and I think what this film does is it gives the film over to the children yes and particularly so. yep. millicent simmons yep. and i think that was a brilliant choice it feels like a prop like again like the proper evolution for these characters in this world and i love that element of it too but yeah it does it feels like a sweet film to me so like if i'm just only talking to hardcore horror fans maybe you know like it's not like a very scary movie, in my opinion. Um, it is suspenseful, but even still, like, you know, it just it feels more like the road to me than it does like a lot of other um, than it does a quiet place in a lot in, in a sense. It, but it's a it's a very beautiful film. Um, I'm not I don't take anything away from it. I love this movie. I, I, I guess there is a part of me that just wishes I wish they could have found a way to turn this story in a way that was just as unique as they did the first time. And it's not necessary for it to be good. That, that would have just been like a coup basically. Right. Like yeah. it would have been like, Holy crap. They, I can't believe they did that. And it's not that it's just like, this was really good. Like this is just a great installment. Yeah. Of, I will push back. I, I will push back just a little bit in that. I feel like the, as close as they could do that. Cause obviously, I mean, you've got to, it's a, it's the sequel. So it's going to continue that story on. I don't barring just going in. So left field, a direction that I, I don't even know how to even imagine that. I feel like under the circumstance, it's still really does an effective job at doing that. And honestly, I think your yeah. biggest point you're making that I agree with that I feel like, again, from a horror, like a true horror standpoint is that whereas that first movie is very gut wrenching and almost heartbreaking, whereas yeah. this one is more heartwarming. And like the, the, the stakes that were set in the first five minutes of that first movie where you're like, Oh, he ain't playing. <laughs> like, yeah. like he is not playing. That this movie never quite goes there. And because it never quite goes there, you know, you're still, I mean, there's still characters you care about and things happen to him and so all that kind of stuff. But and I will say, I thought Noah Jupe, obviously, he didn't have as much to do. Yeah, I like I did like his character much more in the first film. Yeah. I felt like I felt like he's probably the one who the script didn't serve as well compared to everyone else in the movie. Yeah. But. Now, but I will say, and I, I always feel like I'm saying his name wrong. Is it Killian Murphy? Right. Yeah. That's not silly. And I always just see silly. And people are like, no, you doofus. It's Killian. <laughs> um, and, and uh, so yeah, Killian Murphy, I thought was fantastic as well. Yeah. And in a way, he's in cold mountain mode here. Yes. Or even, I don't know why, but I was also reminded of like uh, the, the Devin Sawa character from Hunter Hunter. Like he had that, oh, same, yeah. you know what I mean? That kind of woodsman, like, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Nice. That vibe, that vibe to him. Yeah. And because even with, just like with the Devin Sawa, like if you didn't know that was him at first, you'd almost be like, why do I know that guy? And with Killian, like I knew he was in this, but honestly, it took me a second to like adjust to be like, 
oh, that is him, isn't it? Like, it, you don't, and it's, <laughs> you know, it really didn't look like him as it usually does. Yeah. I, and Jaman Hansu, uh, he, he was he's awesome. He's always, it, I love him. What a it, good actor. Yeah, he's he's a, such a good actor. And he's not in it very long, but he is very effective in, in the role that he plays. I mean, well, same with Scoot McNary. Like, both of those two characters, I could have seen whole movies with just those two characters in them because oh, they're such good actors, dude. right? And, and, and with Scoot McNary, was, uh, I don't want to give it away, but was that the doc? scene yes that yeah. was probably my favorite scene in the whole movie that i was, love scoop he's one of my favorite actors and that was such an awesome scene that yeah. because again go back to your point that felt like a scene that's similar in ways we've seen to other post-apocalyptic uh, post-apocalyptic events like we we've seen that kind of scenario right yes but the right. way it played out was so clever and again back to that idea of tying into other things i just loved it loved it loved it, it was the most one of the most satisfying scenes in the movie to me yeah, so absolutely yeah a quiet place too i can't recommend it enough like i said at the moment because quite honestly i haven't seen a ton of horror movies yet for 2021 it's my number right. one <laughs> but i i want to be real and say probably at least be in my top three i can't i cannot imagine at this stage there being other movies that's going to bump it out of my top three yeah this is my number one too now that you say that yeah awesome absolutely. Awesome. Um, I would give this film what I gave the original at the time, which is an 8.5. Again, I've bumped that one up to 9.75 at this point. <laughs> but I would give this one an 8.5. I think it's a high priority see it. If you liked the first movie, it feels like, I think this is what it feels like. The first movie ended with a bang, <laughs> and it felt like, boom, this is a horror movie. Like, that's it. Like, take that, you know? And I felt like this movie ended with, this is almost like the emotional coda to that film. Yeah, a that's a like, good this way This is almost it. the yeah. postscript. Yeah. It, it feels like an extension of that same story. Like, feels like the emotional conclusion that the first film didn't give us. It gave us like that bah, ending. And this gives us that nice, soft, like, resolution to these people right and yes. that's kind of what this movie felt like and i and life. i feel like that is a very way of great way of describing it with the caveat but it feels n like necessary like it, a lot yes. of postscripts and resolutions they feel like okay we didn't need that we got it okay this well, this is one that's good this is a good <laughs> version of that and honestly what i can't wait for because for me the first movie i don't think i ever i think that was my that was before my hmp days uh but for me the first uh, quiet place is a 10 like that's a 10 10 10 10 all the way this, in fact the first review of a quiet place Led to the end of that version of HMP. Oh, it was it really? Not even really that. End of our pig headed horror episode. Oh wow. <laughs> well, okay. Sorry about that. Oh, uh, pig headed horror. Uh, yeah, words I swore I would never say again. But and yet you just did. Yet you just did. I had, Joel set it up. I had to. I had to. Um, well, uh, but regardless, for me, it's a ten. I hundred percent a ten, and this one is a nine point five. Okay, I mean, it, okay. And, and honestly, I feel like it's only not a 10 because had this been the first movie it would be a 10 for me but because yeah. i've already you know i'm familiar with the world and and like to your point it's very suspenseful i just don't know that there was any moments like again i was like like terrified beyond that being on the edge of your seat feeling which i love i absolutely yeah. love that so for me it's a 9.5 yeah, and I, you know, I don't know. I, I could go, I could go higher. I think, I, I think the thing is, is just my expectation level of it being a quiet place too. Because I think, again, my some of my favorite movies are these post-apocalyptic family dramas, like you know, that are on that thriller horror line, like The Road or like A Light of My Life or even like Stakeland. Like this has that emotional feel that i love in a film but i just wanted a little bit more of that like 
just blow me out of the water feeling I got in the first film, you know, but I love this movie. I really did love it. And, um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a great, film. I, I could, I could see myself going up to a nine on this one in the future, but I'm going to say 8.5 for now. I did. I did like this See it in the theater. I'm going to buy it for sure. So I, I just wanted to say that for me, like I said, 9.5, I absolutely th- agree with you, Wolfman. See in the theater, absolutely buy it. And what I can't wait for is when you have both of them and doing this as a double feature. Oh, back, boy. Yeah. Back to back. That, it would be yeah. perfect. perfect. Perfect double feature. Yeah, it really does. It feels like the emotional closure you want after the first film. So, yeah, I liked it. If you loved, like the first movie, you're going to like this one, I think. Um and that will bring us to the end of our review Ooh. for A Quiet Place Part 2. Hopefully that was a step up from my one-line Twitter review, but we'll leave that to Mr. Krasinski to uh, <laughs> judge. Well, lots of fun stuff on the horizon. It does feel like we're back in a way, right? Like yeah. It just feels like, man, what a great yeah. time to be a horror fan again. After 2020. You know what? I don't think it ever went away. To be honest with you, I still think that horror has stayed of all the genres. I think it has stayed at a level when you look at what was still being released in 2020, um, you know, with with what came out. I think it still managed to even if it wasn't quite at the level it was in 2019, it's still strong. I do you know there was you. I do there's strong movies that came out. And the fact that um I don't know, I'm just really looking forward to twenty twenty one. I will I say am. that that is true, Dave, but I will also concur with Wolfman in this sense. I think the issue from the twenty twenty point and why I feel like we're back is because there's so many titles that we had been anticipating going yes. before twenty twenty hit. Well, yeah. And, and we I had mean, to you wait. Candyman and, and, and Halloween and Halloween Kills. And yes, yes, all absolutely. of those. And it's like to now be I finally have the like when sitting down to see a quiet place. I remember it was supposed to go March of, of 2020, yes. I believe. And in fact, they had the standee up in the theater. I even took a picture because at the bottom, you could see where they put like some sort of piece of cardboard or something to cover up the original date. Wow. And it's just like well, every, every, every movie we've discussed today yeah. was a 2020 movie. Yeah. I mean, the conjuring was a 2020 movie, the quiet place two that was re- within a couple weeks of being released when the damn pandemic hit. So all of these movies are 2020 movies. I want to get into that discussion later, but I will say that is example. I'm really glad they waited. I, I, I would have watched it on a small screen, but I'm so glad they waited. Oh yeah, I'm, and I'm with you. I want to see. I want to see a lot of these. I want to see Ghostbusters on the big screen. I yep. want to see Candyman yep. on the yep. big screen. Halloween. Oh, I just got so excited. And, uh, Halloween yeah. Kills on the big Halloween screen. Kills. Absolutely. Hey, I want to see all of them on Wolf the big Man, screen. Wolfman, we're less than a year away, buddy. Scream Five. Big Edgar screen. Wright's movie. Edgar Wright's movie. Yes. 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 Yeah, we got all oh, man. I got, yeah. This is gonna be so much fun. I know. I'm, I'm, dude, we're I'm feeling it. There. I'm feeling we're it. Finally, yes. at the point we can do that. I'm so Absolutely. excited. Let's get off. Yes. Thank you for joining us on this special Lost episode of Horror Movie Podcast. More new and lost content is on its way. And once we're all cut up, we will resume our Horror Olympics. Well, it's kind of a winter horror Olympics at this point. Find all of our contact information at horrormoviepodcast.com. You can find links to all of your horror hosts, everything we're doing, as well as links for t-shirts and our sponsor, Shudder.com. Shudder is the Netflix for horror. To try Shudder free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use the promo code HMP when signing up. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and the promo code HMP. Once again... 
we want to thank our dear friend composer Kagan Breitenbach for the music used in this episode. He's the creator of the horror movie podcast theme song, as well as the screaming online theme. You can find more of Kagan's work at KaganBreitenbach.com, and please do us a favor and check out his latest musical project, Bloody Cabaret, which is a really cool musical project we're going to be talking about in an upcoming Lost episode. It's uh, absolutely worth listening to. You can find it on any place you can find music, but I would especially recommend checking it out on YouTube, where you can see the full kind of music video concert presentation of this amazing work that Kagan's put together with our friends Meg and Quinn from Veda Wave, Quinn previously of The Used. Again, that's Bloody Cabaret. And a very special thanks this episode to editor Joe Brunette for his post-production work on this episode. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Brunette. And check out Joe's Onset app, which you can find on Twitter and Instagram at Onset underscore app, where you can find a lot of cool movie locations. Really awesome app. I would definitely recommend checking that out. I want to thank you guys so much for sticking with us through this difficult period, and we hope you enjoy these lost episodes of the show. Plenty of new content is coming your way, so stay tuned right here at Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. I just wanted to talk about some news uh, that, you know, is out there in the world. Well, first of all, I've mentioned M. Night Shyamalan and his twist thing, right? Like, he's been on such a great run of films. I know, like, not everyone loved Glass, but I still think we can agree, like, he had a major comeback in the last couple of Oh, yeah. You know what? I enjoyed Glass. I don't think it was great. But I enjoyed it. It wasn't for, as good as the previous two, but it no. was good. No, but it was good. Absolutely. I agree. I liked I enjoyed I like the fact that it exists because yes. I did enjoy the movie. The one two punch of the visit and split by themselves. Yeah. If like if he had never made any other movies, in my opinion, those movies by themselves would garner him so a high level of respect. Both are incredibly yes. strong. I, I love both of those movies. Yeah. But I saw before a quiet place part two i know where you're a going. trailer for a film called old and i fear m night might be going back in the penalty box after this one oh I, it's, no wolf man i fear <laughs> that we are in lady in the water territory uh, here. i i get why you say that because uh. i and to be fair i'm one of those ridiculous optimists where i went to lady in the water all excited thinking this isn't gonna be horrible <laughs> uh, but i will say this about old what i like about yeah. it is it feels Whereas late in the water or movies like that, they kind of felt like all over the place. Like he wasn't, you know, it's like where are you headed with this old definitely feels like a Twilight Zone episode. Like just from the okay. trip to me, it does. Yeah, I'm going in I with the expectation. It's a tw- if it stays on on point. Right. If it's and as long as he doesn't. Th- you know, the thing that worries me is like what you alluded to earlier when you were talking about him and the, the need to always have a twist. And I feel like, yes, there's a little. I mean, yeah, you got some twists in both split in the visit, but not like the sixth sense, unbreakable signs kind of thing. Right. It was a little more subdued. So as long right. as old, either I want him to not explain it definitively at all. I kind of go. That would be a great twist for him to take. Don't explain it. <laughs> I just <laughs> let it be, you know, or. Or if you're going to let it be something like not overdone, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, as yeah. long as it's a Twilight Zone episode, I'll be fine with it. It looks terrible, Joel. Oh, I, no. look, here's, here's my feeling. No. It, the location is gorgeous. The cast are some actors I love. So as the trailer's starting, I'm like, ooh, 
I can't wait to see whatever this movie is. As the thing starts unfolding, I'm like, this is kind of dopey. This is a little dopey. <laughs> and then when his name came up, I was like, oh no, Knight, don't don't do this, man. This is you didn't need to go here. You have everything. You're at the top of your game, dude. And then the title. <laughs> Okay, the, t- the title like, is lame. Ow. The title is lame. I will give you that. The t- oh, yeah. Oh, the, the, no. This is another one shot in my neck of the woods. Is this no. in Pennsylvania? No, no I don't this think is so. his first. Is this his first time leaving other than After Earth and uh, Last Airbender? Yeah, this is like down in, um, you know, South America. Is it, or South, oh, is it South America? Okay. okay. Yeah, okay. Some, right. some tropical location on a beach. It's beautiful. Yeah, Wherever it he's beautiful. at, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's got a great cast, like you said. I, I think the title, well, first off, also, the snarky, obnoxious critics that will write the, the I could rewrite their headlines for them, you know. Yeah, the M. Night Shyamalan shtick is getting, quote, unquote, old <laughs> you can already oh. see that the, all, the, all those going on but the, so it, <laughs> i love him and i hate defending him for his crap you know like I, but you know what like we're getting ahead of ourselves let's see the movie first for okay. starting yeah you know it's one of those things and yeah. mike Shyamalan, he had he was so strong at the beginning and then he got so weak in the middle and then he got so he was so strong recently yes. i mean Directed I, in a way that seems impossible yeah. and so the fact that he was able to come back he did three terrible movies in a row like oh yes there's no doubt about it no doubt about it i mean the happening is almost on plan nine from outer space level i can watch the happening but to me lady in the water last airbender and after earth are three of the worst movies i've ever seen wow i i mean i haven't seen uh after earth i didn't I see i, I, I did one. not see that it's one the worst yeah, of the three yeah. i didn't see after earth i didn't see By last Air, i didn't see wow. last airbender and i had such a bad taste in my mouth after lady in the water uh, i didn't see the happening i refused i was like i'm so angry right now <laughs> I can't. you know what is funny because of all of them nights uh, nights movies i want to see lady in the water again i <laughs> i don't know why i just I want either. to check Paul it out Giamatti. again it has a fun mythological kind of lore yeah it, it was like it was something he wrote for his kids he we did it for his kids or something i think look we got a lot of pushback on covering the twilight franchise on that last episode but i will revisit lady in the water if you do dave i think that'd be a fun one all right <laughs> to give it another shot. Okay. Um, do not ever watch after earth it is atrocious i, I you know i don't have any desire to see after earth so I, there's no there danger of that there you go it's just dull it's like unbelievably dull anyway let's hope for good things i just was scared for night because i love him i love the guy and i was not I, I hope stoked. Springs Eternal. I say it's going to be a above average Twilight Zone episode with a generic title. I think in the end, that's what it'll be. Here's a twist nobody saw coming. The announcement of Rob Zombie's oh my The Monsters. Now, speaking of, <laughs> now, wait, hold on. Now, this is where I get to be like all negative Nancy. I thought this was a joke. <laughs> I thought I was like, is it? I thought April first passed. Who is screwing with me right now? I know that was crazy. It's crazy. I, I, I've I, seen. I'm going to be there on opening day because I oh, want to know what this is. I, you know what? I've seen a lot of people saying as long as he stays true to the source material, oh, it doesn't right. go the Rob Zombie route of like trailer park trash and <laughs> and with his own. Come on, is Rob Zombie going to make a movie called oh, the the, the Monsters and just have? Herman and Lily and Eddie and Grandpa in it. No, he's going to make it a Rob Zombie movie. But come on, are you not interested to see 
the monsters in the Rob Zombie universe. Yes, I'm in, fascinated in by a it. Macabre, I can't wait to yes. see the monsters in a Rob Zombie universe. In a very messed up, masochistic sort of way. I want to see this. You are correct. I will say we also know already who Sherry Moon Zombie is playing. We totally know who that is, right? <laughs> yeah, right. He's, she's 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 Marilyn, right? She's Marilyn. They're going to make her Marilyn, right? She's going to look fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, here are a couple of listener responses to the tweet that I put out that said, "What the what?" <laughs> um, here is Christine. She says, "I wish he would stick to music." I really think his films have gone downhill. So that's that's a rough review, Christine. Um, Raul, the monster slayer, he says, uh, I don't know if excited is the word I would use, but I will be there opening day 100%. <laughs> Joe Brunette says, this is going to surprise everyone and will be one of the best horror reboots. I like that <laughs> optimism, Joe. That's awesome. That, that, that that's is good. great. I that's love that funny. optimism as well. That is great. <laughs> The Exploding Heads podcast says some of our listeners are questioning whether or not this is a series or film, and there are people saying both ways. Um, but yeah, his announcement did say my new film project, so I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see it, but I'm assuming it's. Mm. Barely Ashley says everything he makes is so crass. I just can't picture what this will be. I feel like saying <laughs> I feel like saying the word crass is like the politest way. <laughs> Yeah, I I almost picture the monsters like I picture the family in Halloween. Oh no! Can you imagine (laughs) Herman? Herman's on a lazy boy. Wait, hold on. Herman's on a real tattered lazy boy, and then Sherry Moon Zombie walks in as Marilyn, and he grabs her by the waist, throws her on his lap. Come here, Marilyn. But you know what? God, do we really want to see? The 60s sitcom yes. of the monsters at this point. I, want to see I the love the 60s. You know what? <laughs> it, there's that whole debate. Are you an Adams family or a monsters? I'm a monsters guy. I am. I love the monsters. I don't yes. dislike the monsters. Family. I like the Adams family, but of the two, I'm a monsters guy. But the, the idea of a Rob zombie monsters. It's so weird, dude. Fascinates <laughs> it me. So it absolutely weird. fascinates me. I'm also a monsters guy. I do not need a reboot of the Munsters, despite being a Munsters guy at all. But I do like, you know, I, I don't know if you guys saw um, the uh, WandaVision series. I saw part of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. Yet. I didn't. No, I, I did loved not. it. And I could nice. see I could really enjoy a film like that in the right hands. I think something like mm-hmm. that would work really well. I can't imagine any other contemporary director taking this on to be honest, without yeah. it turning into that series of films we got like Bewitched and Starsky and Hutch that all were terrible, sure. you know? Sure. Now, I will say I, mean, th- I will say this. I am actually more of an Adams Family person, but I do love and appreciate the Munsters. I grew up like watching them as indication, yeah. so I've always enjoyed it. Uh, the question I have is, will Eddie be the one on the white horse? <laughs> <laughs> I got. I have nothing to say negative about the Adams family. I love the Adams family. I do, um, but I've always kind of uh, gravitated towards the monsters. Maybe because UHF in my area in Philadelphia played the monsters more than it played the Adams family. So I kind of gravitated towards the Adams family. You know, and it's funny because I saw Justin Bean po- uh, post something today how um, Rob Zombie and Butch Patrick got together for a commentary on Monsters Go Home, oh, that Screen Factory cool. released yeah. not too long ago. Yeah, I would love to see like just from that i want to see rob zombie's version of that i want to see monsters fuck off (laughs) (laughs) oh my god and you know he's gonna put butch patrick in it too which is cool you know he's gonna do that awesome 
Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Barely actually also says, I can handle if Herman dropped an F bomb here and there, but some of the other things he has his characters say <laughs> is just so awful it makes me cringe. And it's not like a one-off. It's every single movie. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine what... I wonder who's going to play Grandpa. <laughs> Oh no, I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> the armored foe says, Growing up loving the monsters, I just don't know what to expect. I'm uh. going to keep an open mind and let the cards fall where they may. <laughs> Coleman Weirholm says, Hell yes. <laughs> He's excited. <laughs> um, Jason Strong gives us a, a gif of a little boy giving us some eyebrow raises and in a very exciting way. <laughs> oh, here we go. Sean Taylor. This is a pretty w- good one. He says, Paul White <laughs> as Herman Munster, mic drop. <laughs> uh, mic drop. That's pretty good. And then this final one is from 10 Crispy Boys. He says, can we not? They'll end up living in a trailer park and grandpa will be replaced with an alcoholic clown. <laughs> um, <laughs> probably true. But, but is that so awful? Yes. <laughs> I hope the first 45 minutes of this is all a backstory about Eddie growing up with his white trash uh, monster family. <laughs> That would be hilarious, actually. Okay, you just—I can't wait to see how Marilyn fits in I don't, to this whole thing in a Rob Zombie universe. Well, I'll tell you right now, it's going to be Sherry Moon Zombie, so you already yeah. know that's who's playing her. Hot, Hot Marilyn. All right. Okay. Well, uh, one other thing I wanted to mention—I don't know if you, there was any other news we had talked about. The one other thing that I saw is there is a new Stephen King series that is coming to Epics, and it is based on Salem's Lot. Um, or Ooh, Jerusalem's, Jerusalem's lot. lot. Yeah. Oh, nice. But it is a period piece and it stars Adrian Brody and it looks super interesting. I don't wow. know um, what uh, exactly it's about or what exactly is going on in terms of time period or whatever, but it's called Chapel Weight. So uh, that's one to look forward to. It looked really good. You, Stephen King, Salem's Lot, Adrian Brody, I'm there. Period piece too, yeah. It could be fun, man. It looks really fun. All I saw, uh, all I see, it says it stars Adrian Brody as a man in the 1850s who relocates his family to his ancestral home in Maine. And as anyone wow. who's ever read a Stephen King story could tell you, scary things happen in Maine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, and uh, the other one I did want to mention, I I know very little about it. I never read the book. Is uh, another King adaptation. It's going to be on Apple TV. Is Lysy's story, which is going to, I hmm. believe, star Julianne Moore and Clive Owen. Oh, yeah. Wow. 